0: Kendall in here, and we all know it. Hi everybody, I'm Peter Jacobson, and welcome to Jake's Takes. Yeah, 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 yeah. As we reflect back on the 2018-2019 season, the season that was shortened, as we all know the FedEx Cup ended in August with Rory McIlroy taking home the huge prize. I think it was interesting to look back when the PGA Tour, they moved the players back to March. The PGA of America moved the PGA Championship to May. So we actually had, in a row, in five months, we had the players. We had the Masters, the PGA, the U.S. Open, the Open Championship at Royal Port Rush, followed immediately by the FedEx Cup and the PGA Tour playoffs. Is that too much golf in a short period of time? I know the PGA Tour put all those together to avoid the fall and competing with the NFL and college football, which makes complete sense to me. So now as we start a new season, the 1920 season, a lot of people have asked is it important for these tournaments that start in September and October, November? Why should we care? Well, first of all, you should care because those tournaments really can help a young player get off to a good start in hopes of making it all the way to Eastlake in the Tour Championship and being a factor in the FedEx Cup. That's reason number one. But reason number two is that whether it's the military tribute at Greenbrier, the Safeway Open in Napa, uh, in Las Vegas, the Shriners Hospital Open... It doesn't matter what event we're talking about. You may not see the top players in the game like you would at the Tour Championship playing in each of these tournaments, but to those communities, and this is pretty much how the PJ started back 20, 30, 40 years ago, to those communities, those tournaments are essential to the charity giving in those towns. I've played in all these cities, I've played in all these towns, and I've been a part either as a player or as a TV broadcaster, in seeing how important it is when the PGA Tour comes to town. We are in a way a traveling circus, but when the tournament comes to town, that's when the golf fans get out. They can watch not only the top players in the game, but also the up-and-coming players try to create their resume, create their career, and win tournaments. And to me, that's why the early part of the schedule, of any schedule on any tour, is so important. So rather than criticizing and saying that we shouldn't worry about this early part of the PGA Tour season, this new season, this wraparound season, I think it's important. We need to pay attention because it's important to the communities where they play. It's a jungle in- we all knew it. The fans are fired up and making sure they show it. The rowdy and loud, not your usual crowd. It's a jungle in here. and we all know it. I don't know if your body hurts like mine, but I look back over my PGA Tour career, and I actually used to run two or three miles a day. I can't even imagine running today. I used to go to the gym. I used to lift weights. I used to, on the treadmill and the elliptical, I was, I wouldn't say I was in every day, but I was in probably two or three times a week. Nowadays, these players have taken it to the, to the next level. They're in they're in the gym twice a day on competitive round days, which, is, which blows my mind. But now that I'm 65 years old, I've had a couple of hip replacements and a knee replacement and back surgery. I hope you can't relate to this, which would mean uh, you're, you're in, still in pretty good shape. But if you do relate to this, I've got to share with you something. My daughter, Kristen, who's a, who's a doctor, she told me that she heard of this new group popping up called Stretch Lab. And she said there was one up in Mount Kisco, New York, where, where she lives. So I decided to take a uh, take a chance. I went up and I had an appointment. Well, I, I'm hooked. I have now been going to the Stretch Lab here in Portland, Oregon, as well as uh, in New York. And I go in a couple times a week and I get stretched. Now, obviously, we get stretched in the PGA Tour fitness van and it's an essential thing. But these guys stretch me like I've, I've never stretched before. And as a result I feel much better. I feel like I've got a little bit of a, a spring in my step. I feel like my golf game has gotten a little bit better. So, the moral to this story is if your body hurts like mine, maybe start looking at doing more stretching. A little bit more intense work with, with a stretching technique or a stretching regimen I think it's going to surprise you. We all know it. You've been here before, you know what to do. Keep your head on straight, don't let them get to you. Put a smile on your face, get rid of that frown. Gotta suck it up, It's no time to melt down. It's a jungle in here. Here's something to think about. I did a piece on this podcast few episodes ago about the role of the golf commentator, the role of the golf pro turned commentator. And we were talking specifically about how I was integrating into becoming a TV commentator and and the challenges that we face going from rooting for just yourself into not really rooting for anybody. And just basically, as Joe Friday would say on Dragnet, just give me the facts, ma'am. But Recently, what's popped up is more criticism of Brandel Chamblee, the Golf Channel talking head, former PGA Tour player, and a lot of criticism on Brandel about what he says, why he says it, how he says it. I think it's crazy when people get upset about what people say on television. That's his job. And I know that Brooks Kepke and his dad have been in a bit of a Twitter feud with Brandel the last couple of weeks. Don't forget, that's his job. He is paid to stir up controversy. I know Brandel. I've played golf with Brandel. I like Brandel a lot. He's informed. He does his background. He really really knows his stuff. Now, if his opinions run contrary to your opinions or my opinions, so what? I, I love discourse. I don't see why it's a problem for me to disagree with you or to disagree with Brandel or to disagree with anybody. I think that that opens up our mind and makes us think about things. But for all those out there that criticize Brandel, maybe you don't like the way he does it. Maybe you don't like the way that it's that it tends to be negative or it comes across as negative or critical. I just think that Brandle gives us something to think about. He gives us something to mull over as we discuss these great players in the game. So the role of the golf commentator, especially the player turned commentator. It's not an easy transition, and I think Brandel has done it really well. I listen to him. I don't always agree with him, but I always respect what he says, and I always respect his right to be able to say whatever he feels. It's a jungle in here, and we all know joined now by Mike O'Connell, who is the COO of Peter Jacobson Sports, who back in the day caddied for me at a few events. And Mike, we did pretty well. Every time you'd pick my bag up, probably because you're a good player yourself, we we had some good success. Well,
1: I was an okay player, but playing with your game, caddying for a player of your caliber at the time, that was like that was video game golf. It was like, Peter, aim it down the right center of the fairway. You hit it down the right center of the fairway. Peter, 10 feet short left on the <laughs> green. 10 feet short. Not left always. Uh, yeah, pretty much so. Uh, no, it was fun. I just Once you've been inside the ropes and have caddied at a tour event, it's hard to watch it from outside the ropes. And I just wanted, I caddied for a good friend of mine, D.A. Wybring for a few years out of college. Then I came to work for you. And I just wanted to get a different perspective of it, see a different player, how he attacks a golf course. And you finally relented, let me come out for a week. And I think the first week I came out was Milwaukee. Uh, Brown Deer Park golf course. That's right. Cool little golf course. Tiger Woods made his debut there some years later, but or some years before that. Practiced hard every day. You kind of struggled. Looking back at it, you struggled for for yourself throughout the week. Made the cut, fought like crazy to make the cut. And then after we finished on Sunday, you said, hey Mike, let's go hit some balls. I, I, didn't, I had never really seen tour players go practice Sunday after the round's over. It's usually you try to get to the airport as quick as you can to catch an earlier flight home. But you were obviously working on something and you, you just wanted to go hit some more balls. You were frustrated. Uh, so we went out there for an hour, hit balls. I said goodbye, flew home to Portland, Oregon, had a, had a blast. And then uh, you went on to Hartford the next week and proceeded to win at age 49. So Uh-oh. my timing wasn't the best for a <laughs> debut, but it was it was so fun and I think a lot of people don't realize on tour how far you're never far away from playing really good golf and you're also never too far away from maybe missing three or four cuts in a row. It's a it's a fine fine line.
0: What what don't you see outside the ropes? versus in southern ropes. now uh, other than the obvious you're close to the action but do you do you find that there's more conversation between player and caddy than the average person think goes on yeah i think it's it's like with any
1: any of your friends some people you just naturally talk more with about more detailed things and other friends you don't i think what what i missed the most was just being next to the players catting for you or if we're playing with phil mickelson or fred couples or whoever that may be hearing the sound of the shot you can tell if they hit it really good or not um what the lies like in the fairway sometimes people outside the ropes will be like oh that's a bad shot from 150 yards he hit it 20 feet long right well it may have been in a divot Um, you may have been in between clubs and short left was just not an option you're erring on the long so the strategy side You you don't get that from outside the ropes nearly as well.
0: When I mentioned we had success, you didn't caddy for me regularly on the Champions Tour, but I really wanted you to be there for me at the big events. So I asked you to caddy for me at two events specifically, the U.S. Senior Open at Belle Reve in St. Louis and the Senior PGA, Senior Players Championship up at the TPC up in Dearborn, Michigan. And we, we won both. So I think it's a lot more you than it was me. But do you remember when I, when I teed it up at Bel Reve, I was coming off of a labrum surgery on my hip. And I wasn't sure I could play, but I proceeded to take a 36-hole lead with 36 holes left on Sunday. And I told you I wasn't sure I was going to make it.
1: Yeah, I remember that. That was, that was the week before I got married uh, a lot of things were going on, and you were coming back from a couple of different injuries and surgeries. So you have the lead. We're playing 36 holes on Sunday. It's hotter than you know what out there. Humid. You didn't even warm up, and we walked to the first tee. People are going crazy. It, it felt like a U.S. Open with the crowds as big as they were there. St. Louis is. I grew up back in that area. I'm um, a golf golf crazed town, and you hit nutted your tee shot three wood off the first hole and we walk off the tee and you said well let's see how many holes we can finish i i don't know if i'm gonna be able to make it and i'm thinking to myself screw that let's go win this thing (laughs) and you started out birdie birdie and and long story short you ended up winning but that was that was a really special time two hours from where i grew up in quincy illinois and my mom was going through breast cancer at the time so she wasn't able to come down and watched the event because of the, the heat and humidity. And uh, at the end of the event, my dad had passed away when I was 21. He was obviously at the, really into the golf scene back in the Midwest. And as you putted in your two-foot putt to, to win the senior open, and you had 8 million thoughts probably going through your head, you gave me a hug and said, hey, this one's for your dad. And I'll never, ever forget that. That, was, that just blew my mind for your... Uh, your sense of presence. Um, it, it was really cool. So, do you remember, I got married the next week. So. Do you
0: remember what I said after the fifth green that final day? I said, This one's for me. Don't you remember what happened? I walked What's off. Show of you the beer? Yeah. I walked off the fifth green, and, and when Mike said it was hot, it was incredibly hot. We were sweating. Every piece of clothing on, on every player and caddy was completely soaked. So I puttered out on five or six, as I'm walking to the next tee, there was a guy sitting under a tree with two beers, two draft beers. And I think I was either tied or I had the lead. And this guy yelled at me, Hey Peter, you look hot and sweaty. You look like you'd use one of these. And I walked over to him and I said, you know, you're right. And I grabbed one of those beers and I chugged about half the beer. And you looked at me, and he looked at me like, this guy's crazy. And we walked to the next tee, and I said, Michael, what are you doing? I went, trust me, we'll sweat that out in the next three minutes before we tee off. No, I actually, I wanted a drink or two
1: of it. You <laughs> gave it back to him so quick. Yeah, I do remember that. And there's a, there's a bunch of memories. I think that that's what was fun about caddying, too, was um, your sense of, knowing the moment. And you would never, you'd never get too excited. You never get too down. You always had a smile on your face. And I think that's why people enjoyed rooting for you. It looked like you were having a good time out there. And sometimes you weren't. (laughs) If if you did get mad, it would be a quick 15, 20 second burst. You'd walk it off. And by the time we got to the next hole, you couldn't tell if you were four or five under or four or five over. And I think that's, that was probably the, the trait I enjoyed the most being
0: around you inside the ropes. Well, you're awfully kind. I didn't bring you on here to to kiss my behind, but I think one of the lessons I've learned is when you're out there on the tour or when you're playing in the club championship or in the fifth flight, you have one fan and one fan only, and it's you. Your caddy can be pulling for you and giving you all the positive words and affirmations and support as possible, but I, I I learned early on that if I wasn't in my corner, I was going to lose. So I always thought that positive self-talk was most important. And believe me, I've made as many double bogeys as anybody in, on PGA Tour. In fact, I made one at the final round of the Western Open to lose. I bo- double bogeyed the 72nd hole to lose to Jim Benepe at uh, Butler National. But if you don't learn from situations like that, you're, you're an idiot. Because you don't learn anything when you win, you learn a lot when you lose. Unfortunately, you learn a lot when you lose. You don't want to make a habit of losing, but it happens to everybody. They may be loud, but they're on your side. So take a- I don't play as many PGA Tour events anymore, or, or PGA Tour Champions Tour events for that matter. But when I do, I'm always traveling with my golf clubs. When I'm traveling with my golf clubs, that means that they're in my club glove. It's one of the most dependable pieces of luggage I've had my entire career. And players like Brooks Kepka, Ricky Fowler, Jason Day, Rory McIlroy, on and on and on, they trust club glove as well. You know you want to arrive safely but you want your clubs to be there as well, and they usually do thanks to my Club Glove. Well, they can eat you up and maybe wear you out. They will cheer you and they'll boo you while you're staring in doubt. You can try to ignore it, but they're gonna get their way. They'll just scream aloud or they've been doing it all day. It's, it's a, a jumble dream. in here and we all know it. Some new players to watch on tour this year, Remember, there are 50 players that graduated from the Corn Ferry Tour that received their cards onto the PGA Tour. Victor Hovland, the 22-year-old Norwegian, played his college golf last year at Oklahoma State, came very close to earning his card through his play through sponsor exemptions last year, but he did earn his card through the Corn Ferry Tour Finals. Very exciting young player. I've watched him play He really doesn't have any weakness in his game. He does everything nicely. He's long. He's straight. He's accurate with his iron play. He's got a great short game. Keep your eye on Hovland. Another player to keep your eye on this year, out of Dallas, Texas, the 23-year-old former University of Texas golfer Scotty Scheffler. Also a graduate from the Corn Ferry Tour. He was number one on that list all year last year in the eighteen nineteen season, which makes him the only player fully exempt from the Corn Ferry Tour this year out onto the PJ Tour. That's quite a promotion and that gets him really into everything. I remember watching Scotty at Eugene Country Club a couple of years ago in the NC two A finals when University of Texas came made it all the way to the finals, and played my Oregon Ducks, the Casey Martin-led Oregon Ducks, who prevailed. And I'm proud to say that. I'm nothing against you, University of Texas. Historically, one of the great programs in college golf, but Oregon happened to slip by. They had a real problem. Bo Hostler, if you remember, hurt his shoulder. And couldn't play the final match, so that point was given to the University of Oregon. So, But Scotty Scheffler, keep your eye on this young man. He's uh, pretty exciting to watch. Another player to keep your eye on this year is 23-year-old Maverick McNeely. He's a Stanford alum, also a graduate this year off the Korn Ferry Tour. Former number one amateur player in the world in 2016 and 2017. His pedigree as an amateur player is, is, is undeniable. played on the Walker Cup teams and the Arnold Palmer Cup teams back in 2015 and 2017. I've had a chance to watch him play. He's long. He's thin. He's like all of us when we were younger. He's thin. He's handsome. He's long. Putts well. So there are so many exciting young players coming out on the PGA Tour. Maverick McNeely is one of them. Well, that's all the time we have for this week's Jake's Takes podcast. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Peter Jacobson. These have been my takes. What are yours?